Good evening, church. It's great to be in the house of God and to be here in Saskatoon. And we have a, a, a tremendous presentation to uh, give you. You should have a booklet. If you don't have a booklet, raise your hand because you need that booklet. It has a lot of information in it as well as it follows with, along with what I want to talk about. I want to start this evening with some scripture. In Luke 16, Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master's taken away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their homes. So he called in each of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 450. Then he asked the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in their dealings with their own kind than the people of light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with very much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And it ends off by saying the Pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. I'm not going to talk on that parable. I want to just use it as a backdrop of what I'm wanting to talk about. But I want you to understand that the master commanded the dishonest manager for a number of things. He recognized where he was at. He dealt with reality, and he did something about his situation. I want you to just keep that in mind as we do go through our presentation this evening. I want to deal with biblical principles on personal finance. I'm not after your money. There's no special offering, nothing to sell you. I'm wanting to deal with uh, biblical principles. There's six areas I want to cover. The first area is find the spot marked X. In other words, where are you financially? We're going to talk about setting financial goals. And of course, once you set a goal, then you have to determine how you reach that goal. That's what you call creating a financial plan. Number four, in churches, we do a pretty good job helping people understand the 10% that belongs to God. But not very often have we gone over into that other 90%. I want to go over into that other 90% managing your spending and point out some very interesting things there. Number five, plan for retirement. Some of you here are retired. The rest of you wish you were. Number six, 
Very important part, uh, final touches, estate planning, and we will, do, we will get there tonight. But let's go back to principle number one. Find the spot marked X. It's difficult to follow directions if you don't know where you are. Now, you ladies will understand this a little bit better than guys, because generally ladies like to shop. And let's say you've gone to this big mall and you're looking for a particular shoe store. You wouldn't walk all the way around that mall. You'd probably find a directory where all the stores are listed. And uh, for our example's sake, let's say your shoe store is there. That directory really doesn't make any sense until you find the spot marked X, where the words are, you are here. See, it's difficult to follow directions if you don't know where you are. The same is true with your money. If you don't know really where you are financially, it's pretty hard for me to get you anywhere. So I want to come back and help you do that. Find the spot marked X. Money is so personal, private, it's important that you be honest. You need to also be open, like there can be no surprises if you're going to really find where you are. All, everything has to be open on the table. All the time payments, any overdue payments, all the credit cards. Um, thirdly, be thoughtful. Uh, how did you get to the spot? Whether you're doing well or not well financially, it may be an interesting procedure just to think about how you handle your money. Maybe if you're not doing well financially, maybe it's not all your fault. Maybe you've been laid off work, can't find a job, or been sick, yet the bills keep coming in. Like, uh, thinking things through might be a good experience for you. When you talk about money also, it's okay to get worked up. It's okay to be emotional. As I cross the country, there are a lot of people who are concerned and anxious about their situation. And uh, it, it's, in, you know, it's something that we deal with every day. But let me also suggest that Money has a lot to do with relationships. I like this because it says a lot in a very short time. Yeah. If that's your situation, talk to pastor. I need to move on. When you talk about money, be hopeful. The Bible has so much to say about money. Oftentimes you hear somebody say, well, why do you talk about money in church? Let me share with you. God has given us more than 2,350 verses in the Bible to instruct us how to manage our money, assets, and resources. The topic of money is second only to the topic of love. In the number of times the Word of God confronts this subject, did you know that Jesus said more about money and possessions than almost any other subject, dedicating two-thirds of his parables to this subject? Now, we're not going to you know, spent all that time, but there's a lot of important truths that we could deal with, but let's continue. Let's get back to finding that spot marked X. We call it the double O law of finances. Now work with me, okay? The first O represents everything that you own. The second O represents everything that you owe. Now if you take one from the other, you get what you call your net worth. Every time you go to a financial institution to borrow money, that's what they're after. How much are you really worth? I hope you don't have to say, oh, oh, or zero, zero. Let me give you an illustration. Things that we own. House, real estate, securities, retirement funds. Let's put some figures in there just for an example's sake. This guy has a house of about 350, auto bills about 22, RV of 48, some mutuals of 16, TFSA of about 12, cash in the bank, 800. So total of what he owns is 448,800. That's the first O. 
The second O represents how much do we owe. On our house, we owe still about 200,000. Automobiles, 18, RV, getting it down there. Automobiles, 12, RV, 18. But then we come down to, yeah. Remember I said everybody, everything had to be on the table? Mother-in-law. So what we owe is 238,000. Now you take one from the other, so our net worth really is 210,800. Why don't you put your own figures in there? Everything that you own, everything that you owe, find out what your net worth is. That booklet will help you do that. Principle number two, set some goals. Um, you know where you are, but you want to get down the road to other places. So setting goals is a very important thing to do. And in doing that, first thing you need to do is make sure those goals are specific. They need to be measurable, attainable, uh, realistic, okay, and also within a certain time frame. If you look at that acoustic, it's a smart thing to determine how you want to spend your money. Now, once you've done that, then how are you going to reach your goals? That's what we call creating a financial plan. In creating a financial plan, the first thing I want you to do is this. Bring God into the situation. You know, the Bible has so much to say about money. If we would just take and read the scripture, get down on our knees and seek God's face, it's amazing how God will come around and help us and lead us and even direct us. The Bible says this, commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. Secondly, get help from informed people and reliable resources in your church, your community, all kinds of people whose expertise is money, bankers, lawyers, financial advisors, financial counselors, people who do taxes. Like if you're dealing with a financial situation, why don't you go to one of these people and let them help you understand your situation? and the, the ways that you might be able to approach it and find some resolution in it. The Bible says this, the plans of the diligent lead to profit. Seeking to understand your situation is for your benefit, as surely as haste leads to poverty. So make a commitment to God. Get help from informed people and reliable resources. And then I'm wanting to use this, the old McDonald Law of Economics. I'm wanting to use these letters... <laughs> yeah, E-I-E-I-O, just in case you didn't get it. Um, the first E-I stands for what's your expected income, whether it's employment, wages, pensions, investments, other. Again, let's go and put some figures in here. Uh, this guy, he makes about forty-five, fifty. Um, he has some in, uh, investments. He gets some interest of one ninety-eight. Rents out a part of his property for rentals. He gets about seven fifty. Does a bit of work on the side. He gets about three hundred. So his total expected income is fifty-seven ninety-eight. That's the first EI. The second EI stands for how much do you spend in a given month? We talk about the Lord's share, household expenses, and so forth. Again, let's come back to an illustration. So our tithe would be about five eighty. Uh, house uh, offerings about 175, household expenses about 1010, uh, mortgage and utilities about 2450. We got an automobile payment of 545. We do a bit of savings 340. Then we come to that category called other. Do you really know where all your money goes? That money you carry in your pocket every time you swipe your interact. Uh, 698 is 
a little bit of that 5798, isn't it? On page nine in your booklet, there's a 14-day challenge where for 14 days you can write down every nickel and dime that you spend. Now, guys, it's not a life sentence, okay? 14 days. <laughs> See if you can hang in there. It might be, it might be amazing where, you know, where, what you do spend so much money on. So, um, our expected income was 57.98. Our expenses incurred were 57.98. So, our outcome, now, before you think that's kind of bad, I wish I could get the people in our churches doing at least that good. That's what you call a balanced portfolio, not spending any more than you make. If you want to better the bottom line, there's one of two ways you can do it. We call it the fire ordinance. You can better your bottom line if, first of all, you find more income. And you can be as creative as you want. Longer hours at the place of employment, a spouse who goes out to work, you throw your two-income family, uh, find a need in your community, supply the service, charge for it. Like, if you can find more income, your bottom line should come up. If that's not an option, the only other option you have is this, reduce expenses. When it comes to reducing expenses, the first thing you have to tell me is, what will you do without? Where will you cut back? Now, in Canada, we're not used to doing without, are we? We don't have a do-without list. We sort of have that wish list, you know, bigger home, newer car, bigger toys for bigger boys. But if you're wanting to reduce expenses, you have to cut back somewhere. A kind of an interesting slogan, no pain, no gain, right? Principle number four, manage your spending. Six important players in all of our lives, whether we're in the church or outside the church. First important player, of course, is God. Um, Canada Revenue Agency, I have them second because I don't care where you live in Canada, they're going to find you. Uh, you and your family, uh, our world circulates around our family. Our employer, place we receive our principal income from. Our creditors, we bought products, received services, and there does come a time to pay, even though it might be 18 months or two years down the road. And then the last one we have there is our neighbor, a very important player in our life. I want to go through the rules in a, uh, in a more individual way. God comes first. Um, the Bible says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. But seek first. Not last, but, but seek first. It's interesting that we take the uh, advice and instruction of the Word of God and it help us a lot in our day-to-day -day livings. Um, another verse that's kind of important is in Malachi 3 where the scripture says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Only verse in the Bible where God says, trust me or test me in this. Um, tithing is a, is a very important principle. It has more to do with your relationship with God than it does really with your finances. Um, the way I explain tithing is like this. When you walk in obedience to the word of God, you invite God into your world. And when God's in your world, he works miracles because he's just that kind of God. When you walk in disobedience to the word of God... You're basically saying, God, I can handle this. I can do it on my own. You're pushing God out. I kind of like to have God in my world. You see, 
God wants to bless us. He's not somebody up there that's got a big club ready to hit us down every time we get out of, you know, out of place. But he's a God that loves us. He wants to bless us. But so often we tie his hands so he can't do that by walking in disobedience to his word. I, I encourage you to walk in obedience. Now look at what the scripture says. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. <laughs> I grew up in church. My dad was a pastor. I slept under the pew a lot because he seemed to talk a long time. Um, not too long ago, I got that plaque. You know, they give pastors that had something about 50 years or something like that. So I've been in church for quite a while. It's kind of interesting that we understand and walk in obedience to the word of God so the blessing of God can be part of our life because God wants to bless us. I like this verse. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. The principles of God's word are always in effect. Each man should give what he determined his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And it says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Awesome promises and instruction in the word of God, isn't there? God comes first. I need to go to the tax man. Now, uh, we have a tech at the national office that uh, I use quite a bit because, you know, I deal with technology. And if technology doesn't work, it's pretty hard to do what I'm doing. He got his tax bill and he wasn't very happy about it. So, of course, you find him at his computer. He sits there for a while and he thinks and he comes up with this. I'm writing to cancel my subscription. <laughs> Please remove my name from your mailing list. <laughs> Doesn't work that way, okay? But let me, do, let me give you the good news. The government understands that charities and volunteers can do a far better service when it comes to social work than they can. So they've made all kinds of tax concessions to encourage you and I to become involved in charitable giving. 45% of what you give to your church will come back to you via tax receipt. Other tax laws allow us to receive tax credits up to 75% of our taxable income. When an estate gives to a charity, they can claim the total 100% credit that, that, is, uh, that is there. Um, interesting, interesting laws and rules out there. The other laws, news is this. Responsible citizens should pay their fair share of taxes. We live in one of the best countries in the world, and it's important that we do pay our fair share of taxes. Render to Caesar what is Caesar's, to God what is God's. I need to move on. Um, you and your family. Financial advisors tell me that we should have an emergency fund of about three months sal salary set aside. Don't raise your hands. How are you making out there? Emer emergencies always come at the wrong time. If we don't have something set aside, then we have to go and find money and borrow it, uh, use our credit card, then you have to worry about paying down debt. Um, why don't you just put some money aside? I'm told that 
60% of Canadians live from paycheck to paycheck, even though we live in one of the richest countries in the world. How do you save? Let me give you some suggestions here. You, you may be even doing some of this. The first one I use is the minus 10 technique. It's kind of an interesting one because it's got a, a kind of interesting formula. When your paycheck comes in, take 10% off for the Lord's work. Then take another 10% off for your own savings. And you make your budget on the 80% that's left. 10, 10, 80. Very interesting principle. Don't see anybody getting excited about it. Um, let's go about the, the plus 10 technique. Now, uh, that one's illustrated like this. You pay all your bills for the month. Say they amount to, I don't know, $3,200. You take 10% of that amount, which would be $320. You treat it like a bill, like you do something with it. You put it aside, either into a, a savings or investment. Um, and and you, you will find that it will help you put money aside. Or there's also what we call the, the days due. Um, you know, if every time you have a $5 bill, why don't you set it aside? Or maybe go to your banker and say, listen, uh, take off $50, $7,500, $100, like out of sight, out of mind. There's got to be a way that you don't spend everything that comes in. The Bible says it this way. In the house of the wise are stores of choice foods and oils, but a foolish man devours all that he has. I need to move on. Now I'm going to talk about your employer, but let's go to your creditors. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is, send, is servant to the lender. I want to deal with how to get out of debt. I'm told that the household debt for each household is rising far quicker than the salaries that that household is making. How do you get out of debt? The Bible says a prudent man sees danger and takes refuge. But the simple keep going and suffer for it. Get out of debt, stop credit card spending, and any form of borrowing. Um, pay off debts with the highest interest first. Develop a budget. You know, it may have a budget in your mind. Put it down on paper. Like, you know what your car payment is. You know what your house payment is. You know a little bit about what your food costs and gas. Like, put that down on the paper. And in fact, on page 18 in your booklet, there, there is a... Uh, a page that helps you with a budget, taking uh, ties and taxes off the top. Housing should be 36% food, and you can go through it. In fact, why don't you use it as benchmarks and put your figures in just to check on how you're making out there. Develop a budget. Exercise self-discipline as a lifestyle. Um, it's interesting to me when we see something that we really like, but we don't have the money for it, we'll just buy it anyway. <laughs> There's some kind of interesting gymnastics we go through, like we tell ourselves, well, everybody else has it, right? Uh, or what about this one? Um, there'll never be a sale like this again. <laughs> I, I like this one. Look how much money I can save if I buy it now. You haven't figured in how much it's going to cost you to pay it off, and, all right? Um, why don't you do this? When you see something that you really like, but you don't have the money for it, just say no. And start saving for it. Um, somebody put it this way. Canadians buy things they really don't need with money they don't have to impress people they don't even like. 
Yeah. Consider lifestyle adjustments. Seek counsel. Learn to trust in God. Remember, Jesus said to the rich farmer who pulled down his barns and built greater ones, he said, life doesn't consist in the abundance of things that you surround yourself with. You buy this, you buy this, you buy this, buy this. There never comes a time when you don't, don't want to buy something because having the stuff, buying things, don't satisfy. Satisfaction and contentment's not with we things we buy, but it's within the relationship that we have with God. It's in him that we live and move and have our being. So learn to trust in God. I need to move on. I want to deal with our neighbor, a very important player in our lives. Um, I'm told that Christianity actually taught the world charity. The word neighbor comes up in the New Testament about 17 times. One of the areas that is common to us is this one found in Luke chapter 10, where a lawyer asked Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells of the story of a certain man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers. He was uh, robbed, beaten, left to die on the side of the road. Three people came along, a priest, a Levi, and a Samaritan. The Samaritan stopped and helped the man, and took him to an inn and paid for him. And Jesus asked, said to the lawyer, which of these three do you think was neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert in the law said, the one who had mercy on him. A lot of stuff we could unpack in that portion of scripture, but let me go back to this. God brings people across our pathway all the time that have needs, that have situations where we can be involved in helping them. We find needs around us all the time. Remember the shrewd manager? He did something about his situation. Could I encourage you to do something about the situations that you find people in time after time after time? We are Christians. We help others. We serve people. We lead them to Jesus. Go and do thou likewise, Jesus said to this uh, lawyer. I need to move on. Christianity taught the world charity. There's a verse here that I'd like to share with you. It's possible to give away and become richer. It's possible to hold on too tightly and lose everything. That one scares me. Yes, the liberal man shall be rich by watering others. He waters himself. I want to go on to plan for retirement. These guys had a plan for retirement. It wasn't working too well. But let me ask you, what's your plan? Uh, here's a graph that is kind of interesting. And if I can get my, in 1961, 7% of the population was over the age of 65, and 42% of the population was under the age of 19. They tell us in 2031, 27% of the population will be over 65, and 14% of the population will be under the age of 19. What's that saying? CPP was never meant to be a retirement fund. It was meant to help out in retirement. If you're going to retire on old age security and CPP, you're going to be living under the poverty line. Canada pays out the least to its seniors than any of the industrialized nations. So 
It, uh, maybe it's time, even where you are, and I wish somebody had pointed this out to me when I was a lot younger, to start considering something about retirement. Um, we already talked about finding out where you are in pages 15 and 16 of your booklet. But let me encourage you to do a retirement plan with a financial advisor. A retirement plan, may, this may help you understand it. And uh, I, want, I want you to understand you need to find out really how much money you need to live on per month when you retire. Now, financial advisors told me but it would be about 70% of my present income. But after I understand that, you know, when you get older, uh, your children come back to live with you, uh, you have grandparents that come along, I think you need probably that one whole 100% when you retire. So when you retire, whatever figure you put in there, your CPP is going to be constant payout, your old age security is constant, your pensions will be constant. Let me, let me stop and mention something. If you're working and do not have a pension, you need to do something about that. Pensions are very important when it comes to retirement. And if that doesn't make up your retirement amount, the only option you have is the investment option. Whether you do RSPs, tax-free savings, real estate, then there's a whole list of things that you could invest from. And that's why we say at the bottom of this, listen, talk to a financial advisor. He has the equipment and the technology that he can put in your figures and show you what it will look like at ages 55, 65, and 71 down the road, okay? Plan for retirement before you be turned 65. Just, just maybe a little bit of advice. So take advantage of compound interest. Compound interest is making interest on interest. I found a very interesting slide. Um, Michael put in a $10,000 from ages 25 to 35. Jennifer put in 1,000 ages 35 to 45. And Sam put in the same amount, but ages 55 to 65. When they turned 65, Michael had, whoops, I can't go back there. Can you go back for me on that one? Michael had 1.4 million. Jennifer had 734,000. And Sam had 700 or 373,000. In other words, start putting money aside now because compound interest works for your advantage. The younger you are, the longer it can work for you. Just an, something that might be interested to you. Take advantage of compound interest. Invest with the advice of your investor. Uh, if you're wanting to invest in the Lord's work, we have a couple of areas. Uh, one is mortgage certificates. With this money, we build churches across Canada. It's a term investment. It pays approximately 2% higher than GICs, a guaranteed investment. If you're interested in that, just talk to me later. There's also what we call gift annuities, and this is for older people, because gift annuities pay out the uh, payments the rest of your lifetime and the lifetime of your spouse. The interest rate is based on your age. So the older you are, the higher the interest you will get received from it. 
And what's very interesting is this, all or large par portion of the interest you receive is tax-free. I'll give you an illustration, then I'll run from it. If you're interested, just come and talk to me. If you're 72 years of age, you want to do a $10,000 gift annuity, our charts tell us that we can pay you 6.5%. 85% of the interest you receive is tax-free. So if you were to take that 10 grand outside somewhere and invest it, you would have to get 95 to 10% to equal what we, what we would pay you. Kind of an interesting situation, and I say if you're interested in that area, um, please come talk to me. Plan for retirement, now I want to do final touches, estate planning. This is a very important area, and the, these words are very important. While you are still here, you may need what we call a substitute decision maker. If you become incapacitated, can't make decisions on your own, you need somebody else to make decisions for you in two areas. One is the area of finance, the other is the area of personal care. Um, if you don't have those documents, we can help you with them, okay? Um, this guy said to his wife, just so you know, I never want to live in a vegetated state dependent on some machine. He says, if that ever happened, I just want you to unplug me, okay? And she's replied, okay. Not that, not that machine. <laughs> now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we'll go to this, that city, carry on business, spend you there, carry on business and make no money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What's your life, your mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Um, some very interesting stats. Three out of ten people have a prepared will. Many say they don't have enough money to make a will. Or some think they're going to die if they write their will. I run into that one all the time. It's kind of interesting. Uh, some people say that wills are only for older people. And some of you here probably even say this, we have plenty of time. And I respond, yeah, right. Uh, in Saskatchewan, you need a will or updated will if you're age 18 and older. If you're recently married or divorced, you need to update your document. If there's special family concerns, it can be reflected in that document. If it doesn't reflect your current thinking, you should look at your will every five to seven years because things change over time. And it's, it's interesting when you go back to look to, to understand, boy, things have really changed. If it doesn't provide for the Lord's work or if you're a new parent, all good reasons to make sure you have this document. Advantages of having a will, avoids family conflict at an emotional time of loss. I could tell you some interesting stories, but let me put it this way. I know of loving Christian families that became not so loving, and you guessed it, not so Christian, because mom and dad didn't leave something left behind telling them what to do with the estate, and the estate wasn't that big. Uh, it's amazing how people change if there's just some money out there, all right? Um, controls the way assets are distributed, provides for special circumstances, uh, secures the future of minor children by naming guardians and trustees. If you're parents of minor children, you both go and you don't have a will, your children will become the property of the court, and the court will determine where your kids go. They may choose the same person you have in mind, but there's no guarantee of that. And uh, Having a will allows you to make provisions for some of your assets to go to the Lord's work. 
and you can actually save estate money. If you die intestate, that is without a will, uh, things are frozen, could take years for your estate to be settled, and uh, a lot of that estate could be used up by courts and lawyers as they work through the issues that are necessary to deal with. Uh, question to consider if you're writing a will and you want us to help you, who will be the executor of your estate? Of course, if you're married, it's your spouse. But then you also need to name an alternate executor because if you both go at one time, you need to have somebody who would carry out your instructions. Who will be the guardian of my minor children? Better you choose somebody than the courts. What, at what age you should have the assets distributed to the children? Do you want some of my assets to continue to support the Lord's work? Will I do it myself? Get some assistance? Turn it over to the lawyer? All good questions to make sure you can answer. Let me come back to what we call, uh, uh, we have what we call two types of wills. Uh, the first one here is what we call the traditional will. One spouse goes to the second spouse. After both go, all debts are paid. Taxes have to be filed. And at that time, all these areas are classified as income. And uh, they have to come into the estate at this at all one time. In fact, we're finding a number of estates that we've been involved in where there's been large RSPs and it shoots the tax rate away up and almost half the estate goes to the government. Out of the, 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 the um, estate account is set up for the uh, executive to write checks out and then the, whatever's left goes to the children. Uh, let me ask you a question. You, you've lived for 85, 90 years. Um, how long do you think it will take your beneficiaries to spend what you've set aside? Yeah. <laughs> oh, those good things. We also do what we call the charitable will. And we use the same size the same chart. One spouse, the other spouse, spouse, debts are paid, taxes are filed. But we encourage our people, why don't you consider leaving something to the Lord's work? Uh, we, we are suggesting a 10%, nothing magical about that. Um, there, there are many things that could be uh, of assistance in the Lord's work because uh, charitable will, will help us reach lost people everywhere, planting churches, Equipping and training leaders, uh, caring for orphans, widows, feeding the hungry. Like, uh, there is a, a lot of work that needs to be done that we can do if we just had the resources to do it. So let's come back. Doing a charitable will, a donation helps to offset taxes. 45% of that amount comes back into your estate, lowers your taxable income, so you get more money back. Now, it, it might be something for you to talk about. Um, you've served the Lord all your lives. When you both go, after you both go, if you want to leave something to the Lord's work, that's what we call a charitable will. A charitable will recognizes the blessing of God, and God has blessed us, hasn't he? Uh, expresses a personal philosophy of life that includes others. God, uh, the word of God uh, talks about generosity, laying up treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. A charitable will demonstrates values to family members left behind. 
provides a sense of self-satisfaction as we live out our days of service. Not only that, you can get Revenue Canada working for you, giving back money into your estate and just instead of just taking it. And then God says, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, I've covered a lot of information, a lot of territory. That's why you have a booklet there, okay? I'm going to say a couple things, and pastors are going to come up and close. Um, if I've said something that you're unaware with, why don't you check with your lawyer or your financial advisor? Uh, what I've given you is public knowledge, okay? Um, if you don't have a will, if you don't have power of attorney documents, or even if you just want to talk about your financial situation, there is a sign-up sheet, and we would be happy to assist you, uh, whether it's writing a will or power of attorney documents. Uh, um, there's no charge for it. Uh, churches help us with our expenses. I'm paid by the national office, and so we can offer you a free service. And we, we would really encourage you to make sure you take care of these situations. Remember, we started off with a... A man who was in a situation, he faced reality, and he did something about it. We do not live forever. This is not our permanent home. But there's things to take care of before we, the Lord calls us away. And I encourage you to make sure things are in order for you and your family.